what Darla and I are praying for you, and Darla's going to pray at the end of the message because Darla's a prayer warrior and has been praying for you all through this time. Together we've been praying for you. And uh, here's what I like to talk to you about. How you can be the greatest church with the greatest pastor. Now I don't mean that anything about building size or anything that, the, uh, that would look from a kind of world or cultural perspective. But I want to show you from the Bible that God loves people pursuing greatness. And that I want you to pursue greatness. And I want Aaron as your pastor. And I want all your staff to pursue greatness. And in that process, be a light to this community and the region all around it. So um, for the uh, guys back there running, I'm going to start with a passage that I read right at the end, and that's from John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And uh, Jesus gives to his followers a symbol, two symbols, um, right at the end before he goes to the cross. And one of those is taking bread and taking a cup and remembering his death on the cross and remembering his resurrection. But in John's gospel, there's another picture or metaphor that Jesus gives. And it's all about Jesus' way of being great. Because Jesus said that if you really want to be great, what you will do is be a servant. And if you want to be the greatest, you will be a servant of all. So follow along as I read to you from John 13 was just before the Passover feast, what we call the Last Supper. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to uh, betray him. So Jesus knew uh, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from the Father and was returning to him. So he got up from the meal, just picture this in your mind, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist after he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then if we skip down to verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He's not talking about literally washing feet. He's talking about the metaphor of serving and sacrificing for one, and one another. Verse 16, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, listen to that, because now you know them, you've all heard them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed, what? If you do them, if you do them, then you 
will be blessed. And the, the word blessed, sometimes it's such a religious word or a, a word we say after people sneeze, we really don't know what in the world it means. Um, blessed means to flourish. Do these things and you'll flourish. Some people have said, what did you do on Christmas Day? We recovered from Christmas Eve services. And then the other thing, I, I went online. Darla and I did about a two-hour search to buy for a Highlands uh, a gift that we wanted to leave with you. And that was a picture. When we ordered it, we thought it was going to be a much bigger picture. Much, much bigger. And, uh, but we were pretty impressed with the bowl. They're both pottery bowls and pitcher. And then I put this towel here. And what Jesus did is he poured water into a basin or bowl and went around and washed his disciples' feet to show them that the way of Jesus was the way of the cross where we would receive forgiveness of sins, but also the way of serving one another and the way that you will be the greatest church and the way that Aaron can be your greatest lead pastor ever is if you practice what Darla read to us uh, and we read together right at the start. So I want to read that to you again. Matthew 22 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? Jesus replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. Here is the simple answer to how you can be the greatest church and the simple answer for how Aaron can be the greatest lead pastor. And at the same time, this simple answer is simply impossible for us to do in our own power. Here's what it is. It's on the back of your program. It will be up on the screen behind me. Do radical, devoted love for God and one another. If you do radical love for God and one another, if you wash one another's feet, God is going to do amazing things through the Highlands Church. So I just want to uh, break down that line, and I hope that you will remember it. So to me, do is just like what Jesus said at the end. Do this and you'll be blessed. Or what I said on Christmas Eve, reject passivity and have an active faith that hears from God and believes it into action. Measure every single day by have I heard from God and have I followed what God says. Hear from God by reading the Bible. I read every morning right at the start, one chapter of the Bible. And I read it to look for something God wants to tell me about himself or something that I can join him in doing. Hear from God from other people. You know a lot of times how God reveals uh, his will and purpose for your life? He brings people into your life. And then hear from God in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, prompting you to do certain things. But the key is not the hearing. The key is in the doing, acting in faith on what God tells you to do. Aaron needs to be a pastor that hears from God and acts in faith. Our staff need to be leaders that hear from God and act in faith. And we Highlands need to be a body of people 
that hear from God and act in faith. And if you go, well, what is God saying? We sing you ought to love him with everything and you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. Do it. Second word would be love. Do love. Supersize your definition of love. I don't know if you have this experience. It seems the nicer the restaurant I go to and the more expensive it is, the smaller the portion. Do you ever get that feeling? Do you ever, like sometimes Daryl and I will be going out with somebody and we're going to a nicer restaurant and she says, why are you eating before? I go, because there won't be anywhere near enough food for, for my taste on, uh, at that restaurant. We went to Red Cow and I think Red Cow's a, a great restaurant in Wysetta. It opened up, the burgers were decent size. The, they brought, the, fr the fries came in a container about this size. It's like, did you, did you specially uh, do each single fry? Because I think there are 10 of them there. Hardly enough. Well, I've got a, uh, you know, when I heard that Aaron was uh, going to be coming back and uh, my, my cynical side, I thought, well, why would you leave Arizona when winter's coming on to move back to Delano, Minnesota? And then it occurred to me, the Culver's opened up, right? <laughs> the Culver's opened up. And if you have never had the walleye meal at Culver's, they only have it kind of during Lent season. Um, it's like about $13, $14, $15. I've, I've gotten a smaller plate that wasn't as good at fancy restaurants where I had to spend $35 on it. Supersize your food supersize your love by upgrading your definition of love. Listen how Scott McKnight defines love. He says this about love. Love is a rugged commitment, a covenantal commitment to be with someone and for someone as you seek to become Christ-like together. Ask yourself, am I with the people that I love? Am I for the people I love? Am I, I with my kids enough? Am I for my kids enough? Even when they're hard. Am I with my spouse enough? Am I with my church enough? I mean, that's what I will challenge Aaron to be and challenge all of our staff to be because God loves when we love the people of God and then in the process, love the world around us. Um, one Tuesday, we do staff meetings on Tuesday mornings here at the Highlands. And I'd finished the staff meetings, had a few meetings. I was headed back uh, and stopped by Woodridge as I was going back. I did had a few meetings there and some work to do. And I went in and talked to uh, our uh, administrative pastor, Jana Haugen. And I said, Jana, Amy needs this... Um, uh, uh, she needs an electronic version of this one financial form. And Jana looked at me and she got a, got a smug smile on her face. And she said, Amy doesn't work here anymore. And um, she was referring to Amy Fall, who was an employee at Woodridge. And uh, Bruce Quam, who built this building, put, built the Woodridge buildings through DJ Kranz, uh, had told me at a men's Bible study on Thursday that he had this killer job for a, 
uh, in, a, in kind of finance where they trained someone. And Amy had been taking classes in finance. And reluctantly, I told Amy about that job. And Amy had taken it. But when Jana said that, Amy doesn't work here anymore. I said, well, I'm not talking about Amy Fall. I'm talking about my Amy. My Amy. Amy Tripto. And she goes, your Amy? Yeah. Jana, it's my Amy at my Highlands. It's my church. And, you know, I'm the pastor at Woodridge. She was super offended. But I hope in my time with you, you have experienced that I'm with you and I'm for you from the heart. And what Darla and I are praying for you and praying for Aaron and the staff for the sake of the good news of Jesus for this community and this whole region around us is that every one of you, when you would lock eyes with one another, would go, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I'll forgive you. I'll stand with you. I'll, I'll encourage you. I'll build you up. I'll bear with you. I'll do all the one another's of scripture because I want to live out a supersized definition of love. Do love. The next thing I want to tell you about is do love, do a radical love. And here's why I picked the word radical, because it has that sense of something that would be uh, sacrificial, self-sacrificing. Now, now, most people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. But did you know that there is a 1 John 3.16? It's the letter that John wrote. And do you know that John 3.16 allows for John, 1 John 3.16 to be lived out? Listen to what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The way of Jesus has always been the way of the servant. The way of Jesus has always been the way of self-sacrifice. The way to new life in God and to be know for certainty that you're going to heaven is to go, I need to die on Jesus's cross so that I can really live in Jesus's resurrection. Every morning when I wake up, my... Uh, my alarm goes off on my uh, phone and I stumble over to where it is. I keep it on the ground so I'm forced to get to my knees. And on my knees, I turn off the alarm. I look up, not that God is up, but that's what I do. And I go, you are God and I am not. And then I say these words every morning. I choose today to die to self so that I can truly live. I believe the only way I can really live this life is if I choose to die to self, put self in the background, and I will really live. And then I pray, fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me into a life of love. 
It's powerful when you choose to die to self, when you take the radical step of saying that I will die to self, that I will not live a self-centered life, I will not live a, a, a self-directed life, I will not live a self-focused life. And to believe that that's not the penalty. Do you know what makes heaven heaven? Right now in heaven, you know what everyone is thinking about? Everybody else. No one in heaven is thinking about themselves. They're all serving one another in perfect love. Just think if even for an hour that happened in your life, how amazing it was. What if we were a church that aimed at greatness by aimed at sacrificial love with a supersized definition of love for God and for one another? And I, I want to give you just an example with that. You know, as Aaron comes back, um, there are lots of narratives you could choose to believe about that. You, you, I mean, there's a cynical narrative that goes, oh, well, they found out they're having a baby and both their uh, parents live here, so that's why they wanted to come back. Or Aaron uh, tried the business world and he wasn't making enough money, so he, that's why he's coming back. Or um, Aaron discovered he really doesn't like warm sunshine and pools, and that's why he's coming back. Now, I mean, you know, there are all kinds of narratives that can pop in our head. You, you know what I choose to believe about that? Is that God took Aaron out to Arizona to break him. Every person I've had a chance to hire, I look for examples and stories. Where did God break you? I don't mean just circumstances. I don't mean uh, dumb mistakes I've made. But where God breaks you. Where God has broken me. You know what's happened? Every time I heal back stronger and more committed than before. And I think God took Aaron out to Arizona. He, he, he made the He asked, he prayed about it. God, I think God led him there, allowed him to do that for this purpose. One, to bring healing in his marriage because there were things they weren't talking about they really need to talk about. One of the things that could happen in all of our marriages, it's already happening in my marriage with Darla, is we're experiencing healing because of Aaron and Kristen's story. And in the first few weeks, starting next week for three weeks, Aaron's gonna unpack spiritual lessons. He's gonna be vulnerable with you at a level that just is amazing for us to learn lessons that they've learned in that process. But the other reason I'm convinced God did that is he took him out to Arizona and he was succeeding. Thriven was talking to him about additional opportunities that he could do. Thriven would have transferred him back here to Minneapolis if he had wanted. But you know what God did? God made him heartsick for being a pastor. Heartsick for the church. To the point where he came to the realization that his identity and the, how God had formed him was to be a pastor. Sure, he could do uh, work in the marketplace. And mar marketplace work is great work. But that's not what he was designed to do. And you know, when Aaron uh, 
when, when everyone heard about this, that Aaron would be open to coming back, everyone was really pretty shocked and surprised. But, you know, I wasn't shocked and surprised. You know why? Because the, the day before they left for Arizona, Darrell and I had uh, a lunch at Woodridge with Aaron and, and Kristen. And after we'd done our hugs and I thanked him for all he'd done and Aaron looked at me and said, Paul, I don't think my Aspen Grove story is done. And we both had the sense, well, maybe you'll come and start a different site. Maybe you'll be a, a speaking pastor in the future. Didn't know it would be like this. But this real sense that that story wasn't done. That's the narrative that I choose to believe that God broke him and is healing him because God wanted him back here to love on you. Love on you. You know, when Aaron told me he felt like he was being called back in to be a pastor, I said, I have, I have great contacts in Arizona with pastors. And I know I could get Aaron a church out there. And he said, no, I, we have prayed and we, we feel like we have unfinished work to do at the Highlands. Now, does the Highlands need Aaron? No. We need Jesus. But if God calls Aaron here, will God use Aaron and a new Aaron in a new way to love on you and promote love in you? Yeah, he will. And he'll do that with our staff. We've got an amazing staff. So do radical love. One last word in that definition. Do radical love that is devoted. Devoted love. Do radical, devoted love for God and one another. What does devoted mean? It's the all in the great commands. When it says, love God with all your heart and all your mind. You know, whenever, you, whenever I pray that, I go, God, that's impossible for me to do. That's just why Jesus told us that those were the great commands. When you say, I want to love you with all my heart, it drives me to my knees. All my strength, it drives me to my knees. It forces me to pray. It forces me to live a life of humility. Devote to me means to outdo. Listen to what it says in Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Look at some of the additional words that uh, the Greek word could be used to uh, translate as. To go before, to proceed, to lean onward, to endeavor to take the lead. In other words, endeavoring to take the lead. If you're the lead pastor of uh, the Highlands Church, what is the first line in your job duties? To outdo everyone in love. To outdo everyone in loving God and loving other people. And I don't mean in a slavish way. But I mean in the wonderful way where we spur one another on. 
How could I love more? How could I serve more? How could I be more filled with the Spirit? How could we care for the weak and the needy and the vulnerable and all the people around us that don't now have a chance to know the good news that we know in Jesus Christ and in his truth? God needs a great church in Delano. It doesn't have to be that the music is great, that the preaching is great. It doesn't have to be that the building is great. It doesn't have to be that the building is large. He needs a great church in Delano. And he needs a great lead pastor in Delano. He needs a great staff in Delano. But in God's economy, that greatness is measured in a pitcher, in a bowl, in a towel where we wash one another's feet and do radical, devoted love for God and one another. Nobody prays better in my life than Darla does. So I asked her to come and pray for you and pray over us and then Brian will ask us to stand and close our service singing out praise. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you for the gift of Jesus, your child, born to us, sent for us. We are thankful for the government that is on his shoulders, and we worship you, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We celebrate Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you for hearing our prayers and providing yet another surprise this Christmas season. Pastor Aaron is coming back as our lead pastor at the Highlands. Thank you for providing him as the answer to our prayers. You do work in surprising ways, Father, and you carry out your plans. Although it is not the same as Mary and Joseph or Zachariah and Elizabeth, you have surprised us by sending Aaron and Kristen and their family back to us, even letting us know the gift of a new baby coming. We love how you work doing more than we can ask or even imagine. We come before you and ask you to bless Pastor Aaron and Kristen. We pray you will uphold them with your righteous right hand. We pray you will empower them to live worthy of your calling. We pray that you will teach them wonderful truths from your word that will guide them and this congregation. We pray they will continue to trust and obey as they abide in your word. We ask the Holy Spirit to fan into flames their gifts by your love. We ask that you will use Pastor Aaron and all our leaders to equip the Highlands for your work through this church. May the Highlands be the beacon of hope for lost and broken people to find your love and healing. May we be a church that loves one another and prays for our leaders. May Aaron's teaching be anointed by the Holy Spirit to spur us on to love and good deeds. May Aaron's leadership equip us to be the people who bring glory to your name. May Aaron's pastoring show your love and care for us, guiding us to be faithful followers of Jesus. Bless their marriage. May they show each other love and respect. 
Give them wisdom and patience as parents and leaders. Give them joy as they serve each other, their family, and this church body. And Lord, for all of us at the Highlands Church, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen the Highlands Church body with power through your spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that the Highlands, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.